You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, Live Different Podcast listeners. I hope you are ready for an amazing episode with Chris Gillibu, a man who has traveled to every single country in the world, written New York Times bestsellers, and has a wealth of information to share with you guys. We had a really fun conversation. Before I get to that, I just wanted to update you on something that we want you to know from Under 30 Experiences, the group travel community from ages 21 to 35. It is the last week to sign up for the Inca Trail. So if you listen to Live Different Podcast, looking for ways to get outside of your comfort zone, to get in touch with nature, to travel the world, to spend four days, three nights high in the Andes on the way to Machu Picchu. If you heard me talk about this adventure, it is an absolutely spectacular one. I fully stand behind it. One of the best experiences of my life, hiking the Inca Trail this past summer. And uh, I want to pay this forward to anybody out there right now who wants to sign up. For just $195, you can secure your spot. It is very difficult to get your trail permits. This is what I spend my days doing, speaking with the Peruvian government, getting our trail permits, our porters, our chefs, our uh, guides, all in order so that you guys can go and have an amazing time. And I highly recommend it. So check out under30experiences.com if you are interested go hike the Inca Trail, do something amazing. This is for anybody who wants to go on the trail in 2018. This is how popular the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu has become because they limit the amount of travelers that can hike the Inca Trail every day. So if you want to go on this adventure, under30experiences.com, check it out. And now get set for Chris Gilbo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today it is an honor to have Chris Gillibu, the author of The Art of Nonconformity, a book that I absolutely love, set me out on a path of travel and exploring the world and myself, as well as The $100 Startup and the new book about side hustle and he wants to take you from idea to income in 27 days chris i've been an attendee of your uh, world domination summit we've had chris ogle on the podcast who's a mutual friend of ours and uh yes i've been following your work for probably at least five years so i'm i'm really happy oh, to have you on it's great to connect yeah that's awesome well thank you it's a big honor to be on your show no I, absolutely i i appreciate it and uh for people who don't know you, and, and I want to create a unique piece of content here and not just have you tell the same story that you've told to everybody, but if you were at a cocktail party or, the, of course, the listeners have probably, you know, the listeners who have not heard of you before, if you don't mm -hmm. mind just telling your story in just a, a couple quick minutes, I mean, you have visited every single country in the world, which is amazing. Uh, can you tell us quick how you did it? Yeah, of course. Um, and I love the idea of creating a unique conversation. I think that's great. So just in brief, uh, I'm a writer, traveler, and entrepreneur. 
I had this quest, as you mentioned, to visit every country in the world uh, that came about out of a love of travel and also kind of a compulsion with writing lists. So I love writing lists. Every day I write my to-do list, but I have lots of other lists. And at a certain point, I had been living overseas. I was in West Africa for about four years, done a bunch of other travel as well. And I made a list of all the countries I'd been to. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to set a goal going to 100 countries at some point in my life. Got a little bit closer to that goal, and I realized I need a real challenge, so let's do every country in the world. That was 193, and uh, finished that quest a few years ago on my 35th birthday. Uh, so that was cool, but honestly, the greatest thing that came about out of all of that was uh, this remarkable community that I have. Uh, you mentioned World Domination Summit. That's the event that we put on every summer in Portland, Oregon. Um, I also I also am able to write books, and I go across the country and around the world uh, meeting readers, and I produce a daily podcast called Side Hustle School. So that's the short version. That's amazing. And I was, I was looking through your, your podcast, and it looks like you have tons and tons of stories of people who have uh, started something on the side. And mm -hmm. people are not familiar about what the, the term side hustle means, and they started something on the side, probably in addition to what they're already doing from the hours of 9 to 5 or whenever exactly. they make their, their income or they're going to school. I mean, yeah, could you, could you maybe share a, a a quick story or two, an example of somebody who, I mean, there's, there's, you have 200, 250 plus, I, I believe, podcast episodes now. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I started it on January 1 and it's, it's every day, seven days a week. So, you know, depending on when you're listening, that's, that reflects the number of, uh, of episodes so far. Uh, and I think you kind of summed it up pretty well. My goal with the, the podcast is not to serve entrepreneurs, but to serve employees and, uh, pretty much anybody out there who's busy and doesn't necessarily want to quit their job right away, but uh, they do want to have more than one source of income. So every day on the show, uh, in 10 minutes or less, I tell a different story of someone who does exactly that, someone who creates a new source of income, a side hustle, preferably some kind of asset for themselves. So they're not just going out and getting a part-time job. Uh, they're actually creating something that will earn money for them you know, on an ongoing basis. And I talk about how they did that and how they got the idea in the first place, what went well, what did not go well, how much money it made, and so on. So I try to be really specific and practical with it. As for examples, uh, I mean, kind of, you know, ranges the gamut. Like I, I feature people who make $500 extra a month or $1,000 extra a month. So that's not a huge amount of money, uh, but it is, it is meaningful and significant. It can make a difference in somebody's life, especially if they're saving for something in particular or trying to pay off debt or they just haven't done this before and like this is the first time in their life they've received money outside of a paycheck. Uh, then I also have stories like uh, yesterday's story actually was a Target store manager who started a personal finance blog and he kind of built this up over time. It wasn't an overnight success like he started it when he was in college and he built it for like five years. Uh, but this blog is now making half a million dollars a year and he's actually going to quit his job, you know, and kind of focus full, you know, full on with it. So I try to have like a whole bunch of different stories to, to, to relate to so that somebody can relate to at least one of the stories as they go on each week. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I hope that uh, that gentleman quits his job as he's probably making 10 times the money out of yeah. the blog that he is at. As a I know. I, that, was, that was actually one of my questions for him. I was like, so why are you still working at Target, actually? You know, but I think he, you know, he was pretty conservative. I guess he is <laughs> conservative, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think he wanted to, you know, I mean, he built it over time. It was like steady. And I think people also do side hustles for different reasons. And, and some people enjoy their job because they like the social environment. Uh, they like just a different form of work. You know, working for yourself can be isolating for some people. So I think there's different factors to it. But I think once, you know, once a project reach that, reaches that level of success, you know, you probably do want to give it more attention, which is exactly what he's doing now. 
know, I, I can only imagine. Um, so, so Chris, to hear a little bit about your story, I mean, you must have had a, a side hustle, of course, and I know you've talked about this in some of your anything from the $100 startup and to your original art of nonconformity, but could you tell the listeners a little bit about what was the catalyst, uh, maybe the financial catalyst, what was mm, your sure. side hustle uh, to allow you to travel and see literally yep. every country in the world? That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, my whole life has been a collection of side hustles, basically. I've, I've never had a real job. I've always worked, you know, three or four jobs, like, for myself in different ways. Um, and in terms of the, uh, the actual the actual travel, like, I, I did that over about 11 years. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't full-time. I mean, it was, like, my, my pursuit, my quest, you know, my thing I was focused on. But I would travel maybe a third of the year or half the year. And, and I worked everywhere I went. Um, I got started, you know, 20 years ago selling things online. Uh, online auctions when those were first new. Uh, I had a little coffee importing business. Um, then when I was living in Africa, I was mostly doing freelancing and some business consulting. Um, eventually, somewhere along the way, I guess maybe eight years ago, that turned into a, a writing career. Um, began writing books, and and that's the main thing I do now. But I've just always done like a variety of different uh, of different things. Sure, that's uh, yeah, that that's pretty cool. And and as a creative person, uh, I'm curious if Starting new things, uh, I mean, that must give you a nice creative outlet. Uh, and uh, I'm curious if you must enjoy that more, but uh, do you ever think, oh, man, if I really just focused on this one mm. bit, you know, if I really just became yeah, yeah. the uh, the Don Chris of the coffee importing <laughs> business, I mean, do you sure. ever wish that was the case obviously you're extremely successful with your with your books now and that has probably been your main focus but uh, you've done a lot sure. of things yeah tell me about that yeah no that's a great question actually that's something i think about from time to time i mean like it's like the grass is always greener like i, I do look at other folks um you know who were maybe in a similar situation as me like five years ago or you know six years ago we were kind of starting up our our blogs and our books or whatever else we're doing. And, and some people really did kind of choose to focus on, on one thing and then they've, they've done very well financially or very well in some other sphere. So I totally respect that. I respect people who are like, this is my one thing. Um, I guess I just kind of know myself as well. And I know that uh, ultimately I'm not going to be satisfied if I'm just, you know, kind of focusing in, on one thing. I'm going to miss something else. Like if I just did the books, which I love, uh, I would miss doing WDS, the event. If I, if I just did that, I would miss like all the solitary work that I do. Um, I, I like the creative act of making things like, like where you were kind of starting to go down uh, when, at the first part of the question. I really enjoy just like conceptualizing things and putting them together and, and putting them out into the world. So I actually derive a lot of satisfaction from that. So one is satisfaction and two, success. Like I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know that I would be successful if I really chose to focus on one thing because I think people are, tend to be more successful when they like really find what they're good at and then do more of that. And so there's no guarantee if you do something and you're kind of looking at everything else, you're like, oh, I really wish I was doing that. There's no guarantee that you're going to be successful in that thing that you've chosen. Sure, that, that's of course a good point. How do you stay focused with all that you have going on? Well, it's a compulsion. I mean, this is what I do. Like, I love it. I just, what I do, I love it. I feel very fortunate. Um, I feel very grateful that I have this life and this work and it's, I, I can't imagine anything else I would want to do. So I think the greatest, you know, the greatest focus tip or the greatest productivity hack is, is to find work that you look forward to and work that you enjoy doing for the sake of the work itself, not for some other intrinsic, you know, reward, um, but for the actual like doing of it. So 
I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what I do. And I, it also helps maybe like on a practical point, it helps that I have deadlines. Like I have a series of deadlines that I've built into my life. So the podcast, you know, seven days a week, like it has to go up. Like I don't miss a day. Like, so that's, that's that, you know, my, my books, uh, I got the side hustle book coming out. Uh, I work with a publisher on that. So like, there's a lot of folks on their side, like, even though it's just me, like I'm a little one man shop on my side, there's a lot of other folks working on it. So I can't let them down. Like, I can't be like, actually the book was supposed to go out next week, but how about next month? You know? Right. So the, the deadlines actually like really help me. No, that, that's great. What, what does your, what does your team look like? Because uh, I know, as you say, you're a one man show, uh-huh. but you have other, a lot of other people. I mean, you put on a major conference event. I mean, that's a, that's a full on company in itself. I can only imagine. Yeah. Tell me about your team or how you manage that. Sure. Yeah. WS is a bit of an exception. Uh, so let's start with the rest first. So for the rest of like all my other stuff, um, I, it, it really is mostly just me. I have one assistant. She's wonderful. She does a great job. Um, but I actually have not tried to like hire a bunch of people and build that kind of model. Uh, I'm not a good employee. And I'm also not a good manager. So again, just trying to focus on creating like what I'm good at. So um, WDS, uh, like you said, to put on a big event, it definitely does take take a village. So for that, it's kind of grown uh, organically as we've, as we've kind of started up, uh, we, we operate it as a, as a not-for-profit. So we're not really trying to make money. Like we don't have sponsors, everything that all the funds for the event come through ticket sales. They go to pay for the event. Uh, anything left over goes to our foundation called scholarships for real life. And, uh, we have a team of about eight to 12 people that are like core team members and none of us are full-time. We just kind of, you know, work on it part-time throughout the year. And then during the ramp up to the event, like we're joined by uh, probably like 80, 80 or so other volunteers. So it does, it does become like a hundred person kind of thing once it happens. But you know, that, that's something that only happens around a specific season. And then, you know, once it's done, there's some follow-up work. And then in the fall, we start gearing up for next year, but it's like this cyclical thing. So for there, they're very much as a team, but uh, not in like a traditional employment structure way. That's, that's really cool to hear. And it's also encouraging. Uh, I, I live in Costa Rica and, mm. uh, you know, I've, I've traveled all over the world. I started a, a travel community, a travel company uh, for young people called Under 30 Experiences. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it was decidedly my one thing because mm-hmm. I was always the scatterbrained entrepreneur. And yes, I have a podcast. And yes, I write for the Huffington Post. And yes, there's lots of un- other hobbies that I just... I'm fascinated by the world, and so I can really get distracted, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I like to try to keep the foot on the gas pedal on what's working and really trying right. to stay focused. But I get, you know, somebody approaches me with an opportunity, oh, let's let's build an eco-lodge here in Costa Rica. That would be so <laughs> fun. Right. And I have to say, oh, God, no. Uh, I have to focus <laughs> on what I'm doing right now. So that, that really does give me... Uh, Really, it, it gives me hope, but I've had to understand myself to understand. Exactly. Well, you yeah, understand yourself. And how I work. So I, I'm so curious how you really seem to have a great sense of, of who you are and what you like and how you operate. How'd you get to know yourself so well? Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely a process, right? Like nobody kind of knows this in the beginning. And I think what you're just talking about uh, in your own experience is self-awareness. You, you've kind of learned like, here's what I should be doing at this point. You have this, this very clear mission. It's a very purposeful, you know, mission-driven kind of thing. So I try to always think about, like, who's, who's listening to this conversation. And, like, for the listeners, you know, I, I think if they're anything like 
me, like I, I didn't know for a long time what I was going to be doing. And I was interested in a lot of different stuff. And I think if I had just kind of followed a lot of the traditional advice about like, oh, you need to like, you know, really focus on something and say no to, to all these different things, like be intentional. I'm not sure that I would have ended up where I am now because I was interested in travel and I was interested in, in business and I was interested in different kinds of education and aid work and just all kinds of stuff. And so I feel like everything that we learn kind of contributes to who we become. And maybe at a certain point you figure out, maybe at a certain point you find that mission, you know, like you've done. And so then you kind of latch onto it and then you start kind of, you know, honing in and saying no to more things. But you wouldn't necessarily get to that point if you hadn't had the experiences that, that came before. So I'm always kind of wary of, of um, you know, discouraging people, especially like younger people, from trying out a bunch of stuff and experimenting because that's like that's kind of what makes you who you, who you are. Sure, and especially in that experimental phase in life, if you're sitting at your desk and you'd rather be somewhere else, well, that's a really good time to start experimenting <laughs> with a, right, a bunch exactly. of different side hustles or go and see different parts of the world. And, and uh, yeah, you, I mean, it seems like a, a very generic question. Uh, and obviously, travel helps you understand yourself so well. But what did you learn seeing every country in the world? Obviously, it's a monster question, but I'm yeah. curious what comes to mind. Well, let's let's narrow it down a little bit. I, I would say what I what I did not learn was I didn't I didn't become an expert on every country in the world or on every culture. Um, you know that wasn't really the intent. Uh, I, I I've certainly experienced a lot of different cultures. I certainly gained like at least a surface understanding of a lot of different things like that around the world, um, and that was good. But I think for me the like the greater learning came through just the, the act of, of like pursuing that quest of identifying that as a, qu a quest and like kind of shutting things off around my life so that I could do that, you know, to relate to our previous question and, um, you know, just kind of working through that methodically of like 193 countries, how many countries do I have so far? How many more to go? What are the obstacles and challenges? What are the logistics that I have to sort out? Like that was really good for me. And just like the confidence that came from, like overcoming and getting to my hundredth country and then getting to like the final 50 and counting down. Like I felt like whatever self-awareness I have kind of came through identifying this really, really big goal and pursuing it. So I think the greatest change or the greatest learning uh, was, was much more like about myself than it was about me gaining like different knowledge about, you know, every single country or culture or people group. That, that's really cool. And uh, as we were saying about this previous question, you know, you have books, $100 Startup, uh, Art of Nonconformity, of course, one about side hustle. Now, is there an overarching mission that all of your projects fall hmm. underneath? Yeah, I would say the overarching mission, what I've been kind of saying in one way or another for the past decade is you don't have to live your life the way other people expect. And, you know, as you go through life, you know, Young, young life, adolescence, college, et cetera, first jobs, you know, go, it never really stops. Like as you go through life, there's all, there's going to be all kinds of people that have these expectations or assumptions for you and you don't have to pay attention to those. Like there's other, there's other alternatives. There's another path and it's not just like my path. I'm not just presenting a different path. I'm trying to show people like here are the paths that are accessible to you in your life that maybe you haven't considered. Here are some paths that other people Perhaps people like you, perhaps people who are different from you have kind of opened up or unlocked. And what would it be like if you went down one of those paths? 
And so I think, you know, the core theme of my work, essentially, like I originally chose that word nonconformity, um, it, it is essentially about creating possibility for people and, and helping them kind of step into opportunities in which they then create for themselves. So it's not so much about like a top down thing as it is like, you know, what can you unlock? Like, what is your potential and how can you work toward achieving that? That's great. And I really like how you said, here are the paths accessible to you. Sure, you have your story and people can relate to that. But everyone's, everyone's on their own path. Uh, you're in no way out there saying, you have to go and visit every country in the world. If you don't feel like <laughs> traveling, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Find something that, uh, that does get you going every morning. Um, yeah. So when you're helping people discover their own path and you're presenting, mm-hmm. obviously in your podcast, every single day you're presenting a uh, someone who, with a success story, who is able to, uh, who has gone on their path as examples. But is there a, a framework within the book? I know the book comes out in. Uh, well, the book probably will, we can publish this right when the book does come out. The book so might be out actually. Go yeah, get how about that? That's okay, great. excellent, uh-huh. excellent. So, Fantastic. but I have not read the book, is what I was trying to say sure, because sure. it's not available yet. So tell uh, tell me about the framework if you have one. Yes. Um, so it's a big part of why I wrote this book, Side Hustle, because uh, it's a very practical book, first and foremost. I feel like a lot of people have been on the outside looking in at this concept, and they're like, well, I want this for myself, but how do I do it? Um, you know, Maybe I've been told before that I have to be an entrepreneur or whatever. I don't want to do that. So you, know, you want to have a side hustle. You want to have an income-generating project without quitting your day job. Uh, I try to create this like step-by-step, uh, five-week process uh, in the book. And uh, they're actually 27 days, so it's basically like one step per day. Like day one, do this. Day two, do that. Um, if you work faster or slower, that's fine. The whole point is it's just kind of laid out in a logical order. And basically, it takes people through through two different two different uh, general areas. And the first area is where do ideas come from? Like where do viable, valuable side hustle ideas, business ideas come from? How can you learn that skill? Um, that's a skill of observation, the skill of curiosity. It's something that people aren't really taught, but it's not that hard to develop. So helping people figure out, okay, what is a good side hustle idea for you? And then um, there's also some about like when you have a bunch of ideas, how do you choose which one to pursue? Because that's another problem people have. But then the second half uh, of the process, uh, which again is all designed to be completed in five weeks, is okay, then take that idea and implement it. So let's identify everything you need to do to get this idea out into the world. Uh, How can we take what is a general idea and turn it into a specific offer? Because people don't buy ideas, they buy products, they buy services. So we need to translate your idea into an offer, um, figure out what, what you know, deliverables you need to have, figure out what tools and resources you need to have. Uh, and then before too much time goes by, let's actually put it out into the world and, and get some response because uh, you know, no plan survives contact with the battlefield. And you also get a lot more information once your offer is out into the world. So basically in five weeks, you kind of learn how to do all of that. That's, that's really cool. And, and Chris, with all of the options uh, that are available in today's world where we literally have access to all the world's information at our fingertips. Uh, how does one decide on what to do for their side hustle? <laughs> I think uh, maybe one big thing, like one overarching thing is uh, don't make it too complicated and don't feel like it is a life decision. And I, I feel like this is where people really get stuck because they, they think like choosing their first side hustle idea is kind of like choosing like where to go to college or whether to go to college, you know, or what to major in or like who their life partner is or this kind of stuff. And it's really not 
like the whole idea of a side hustle is it's like you're going to get some experience, you're going to do something really quick, and it's like it's like a hobby except it's going to pay you. So it's a really fun hobby. Right. Um, but right, but you're not making a lifelong decision. If you try something and it doesn't work, well then it doesn't work. You haven't lost your savings account. You know you haven't quit your job. You're going to choose something different. And maybe you'll do something for six months and you'll choose something else. Like it's fine. So maybe the first and biggest thing is like just remove that pressure. And then like you know I, I have like a little tool called the side hustle selector, which is all about basically how to like rank your different ideas and, and select what might, what might be best for you at this point. But, you know, ultimately it kind of comes down to if you really can't decide, like if you do all this analysis and you really can't decide, you just need to pick something. Like if you need to flip a coin and pick it, that's fine because again, it's not the rest of your life. It's just for now. And you're going to get more experience by trying something that doesn't work than just by kind of sitting around and not doing anything. Wow. That's, that's really cool. And I, I never thought about this, uh, in that light that when I started under 30 experiences, I literally went on a trip to Iceland and I said, this is amazing. I yeah. can't believe I'm here. I need to, other people need to, to have these types of experiences in their life. Yeah. And Fantastic. sure enough, it was one trip, but it was, it truly was a side hustle. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I had another business at the time. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I never, I never really thought of it as a side hustle. And I said, well, this would be really fun. Let's give this project a, a shot. And then it became bigger right. than the, yeah. It, I mean, it grew, it has, has grown bigger than I could have ever imagined uh, yeah. at this so point. And, and, you know, what you said about, community being the very best part uh, under 30 experiences is a travel community. Can you tell me more about how you've been able to connect with so many people across the world? Yeah. Well, I was just thinking some about your story because I feel like there's a lot of lessons uh, in your story and I'm sure you've shared those with, with your community, but I might make a couple observations. But for your question first, uh, community, how have I cultivated it or developed it? Uh, again, I don't think it was strategic. I think it was more like a like a holy shit moment, like when I started like writing on my blog, I'm just writing these little posts about visiting different countries. And, you know, like the vision is kind of small. Like I, it was big to me at the time. This is another, this is like another theme of like pursuing a quest or life in general. Like you start something and it seems big to you and then you start working toward it and it gets bigger and bigger because like your, your confidence expands like as you gain experience. So for me, I'm like writing these little posts and then I did a meetup. Uh, I did a few meetups, I think in one month, I was one in Portland, Oregon, where I live and one in New York and maybe one somewhere else. And like all these people that came out, like they came out cause they read the blog, but I started talking to them and they, they're doing really interesting stuff with their lives. And I'm like, wow, these people are like, they care about what I'm doing and somehow our lives have intersected. And this is just so much more like I kind of went away, like mind blown, you know, like people are, are responding to this, not because they want me to talk about what it's like to visit Egypt for three days they're responding to something deeper, some kind of emotional need or connection. And so what can I do to, um, to kind of foster that and develop that further? That was like a catalyst moment. And then, then since then, it's just been a, an evolutionary process of like, I, I had my first book come out. I did a 50 state book tour. I was like, I want to meet my readers wherever they are. My readers are not just in San Francisco or New York, like they're all over the place. So I'm going to go to all 50 states. I went to every province in Canada and, you know, each stop along the way, like my work is being informed, you know, by these conversations. And then from there, it was like, so it's cool to meet with people in Kansas or wherever, but wouldn't it be even better if we could bring people together from all over the world? So therefore, you know, WDS, which you, you know all about. Sure. And everything I've done has been like this sequential process of like building and like one thing leads to another. So again, not intentional, but I kind of pursued that. It was similar to what you talked about, about your origin story. 
like you have a very clear origin story for your business, which is, uh, which is great. Like it's a very great sign of, of success. If you have this clear story of like, I went on this experience, I had this, this great time in Iceland. I was like, man, I got to bring this to other people. And you know, so there, there, you know that other people are also going to want it. It's also something that costs money. Like it has to be sustainable. So you turn it into like the service based kind of thing. Uh, so for me, it was like my origin story in that, that regard was, you know, basically hearing from people that they they felt there was some some alignment in their life with the the values of what I was writing about, and I just wanted to go deeper and deeper into that. Sure, that's yeah. I mean, and and as you know, probably far better than I do, when you are when you are traveling with people, you really have the time to make those connections. Or when people come to a conference with a clear mm-hmm. intention to get to know other, you know, quote-unquote, like-minded people, hopefully people sure. who are different from themselves, but who are right. there on a, within, find, have found common ground, and they mm-hmm. all connect about a certain thing, uh, which is your overarching, overarching mission there. I mean, yeah, you're able to kind of let go of the day-to-day and, and have the conversations that really matter, and then all of those people, I mean, they're, you, you go to... WDS and you see people crying and laughing and mm-hmm. being fully engaged, which I feel people in their day-to-day lives don't necessarily have that in their in their regular routine. Uh, yep. They're just kind of there on autopilot, uh, autopilot yeah. wouldn't you say? So yeah, so part of it is disconnecting from that regular routine. Part of it is like introducing a different stimulus and like, you know, learning, learning about yourself, the world, et cetera. And the other part, uh, which also very much relates to the kind of trips you do, is about connecting with the right kind of people. So if you can put people in a, in a different environment, uh, hopefully one that's, you know, kind of fun and stimulating and interesting, and then you also get the right people together, like, you know, it's just almost like a formula for, it's a formula for community. And, and presumably, like, the people who have met on, on your trips, like, I'm sure there's a lot of lifelong friendships, you know, that are formed, even relationships and stuff. And that's just great. Like, it's just... It's almost like a you know self uh, reinforcing circle as you as you do more and more stuff. Chris, that ought to be your next book, your formula for community. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know how many people would buy that though. That's the challenge. Right. Well, well. How do people? How can people who are listening right now say, "Yeah, I really want to uh, get. I want to find my tribe. I want to find mm. the right people. Surround myself with the the right people." Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I think uh, anything you can do to meet other people in settings that are conducive to that. And so what I mean is, you know, events like WDS, not just mine, but there's lots of other stuff. I mean, people gravitate towards Burning Man. People go to South by Southwest. Although at this point, South by Southwest is more like a, you know, country essentially. Right. Um, But going on a trip, like what you do, stuff like that, I think is good. Even going to like a creative mornings, you know, uh, Friday morning session, which happens like once a month in, in most major cities. Um, or if you can't, you know, if you're not in a major city, like at least start online. There's lots of online communities. Um, you know, if you're an introvert like me, like you're not alone. There's lots of other, other folks that aren't super extroverted, but still like can benefit from this. So I would just, I would start with that. Um, maybe start with, you know, reading as well, like reading, reading some more and then understanding like where are the circles of people that kind of connect with this kind of work. Um, how can I meet up with them more? So it'd probably be like a thing where one thing leads to another. You don't necessarily like figure it all out right away, but um, as you pursue that question, you'll you'll get your answers. 
That, that's great. And, and coming out of your comfort zone, as, as we say so much, at least on this podcast, is, is so important. Chris, I'm glad you brought up the, the uh, thing about introversion. Now, I'm not so introverted, but I know a lot of people who are listening are. Uh, I'm hoping that you could maybe give some advice to people who are just trying to break out of their routine. They're like, yeah, I should go to a creatives mornings uh, event in my city, mm-hmm. but oh, I'd have to introduce myself and talk about myself and I feel awkward doing that and I'd rather uh-huh. just stay home and, and write something but keep it to myself and not put it out on Facebook. How did you get past that? Sure. I mean, first thing to realize is like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like being introverted, that's, that's a personality trait. That's, that's ingrained. That's not going to change. It's not like something you have to work to overcome. You don't have to be like, oh, I have to be less introverted. I think what you, what you, what you need is like you need to acquire different social skills, which are things that you can learn just like curiosity and observation and all that stuff with starting a side hustle. And uh, it really helps to go to like the right kind of events, I think, because like so-called networking events, like I understand that those are overwhelming. Like I, I wouldn't want to go to that stuff. Like I've been to those things before and I'm always like, what, what the hell do I do? Like this is like, I just don't know. I'm supposed to go up to somebody and talk to them randomly. But I think the good thing about something like Creative Mornings or there's lots of other things like that is the organizers are aware of this dynamic and they're, they're somewhat intelligent in the sense that they understand like people are in different places socially and not everybody wants to just like randomly talk to people. So they usually kind of create, you know, different activities and, you know, exercises to facilitate the process and, and just make it easier. I guess for me, what I did, one thing that was like huge revelation to me when I started doing the meetups, I guess I realized like everybody coming to these meetups, we are already like-minded to use your phrase, you know, which you also clarified very well in saying like, like-minded doesn't mean you're exactly like that person. It just means like you have similar values. And so if you have similar values, like you're coming to the art of nonconformity meetup or the side hustle, you know, book event, I'm going to do a tour to a hundred cities for this book and love to, to see some of your listeners out there. Like if you come to that, you, you kind of know, or at least you'll figure out really quick and quick when you get there, that everybody there is pretty cool. Like everybody there is awesome. Like they are actually kind of aligned with you already. And that just takes, takes so much of the pressure away. And that's what I discovered myself when I started doing the meetups because I was really nervous about it before. And the first time I did speaking events, I was really nervous about it. And now I still get nervous, uh, you know, if it's, if it's like for an unfamiliar crowd or something, but, um, you know, for, for my community, like I've just kind of realized like these people are really great. They want each other to succeed. There's not any criticism, um, it's just a very like warm and, and friendly environment. So I think you need to find find places like that. No, that that's amazing, and it really helps when the intention of the event uh, is laid out, and the organizer says, "Okay, here are the values. This is why we're here." Or ask the people in the room, "Hey, why are you here?" And then you go, right. "This is what we do when we open our our trips." Is everybody kind of knows why why they're there, but we have the trip leader talk and tell their story <laughs> you know what, what's their story why did they decide to travel exactly, the that's world great. Yeah. and then everybody goes around and say yeah okay i am stuck in this rut and you hear oh i just did leave a relationship and i didn't have anybody to travel with or oh all my right. friends are getting married and pregnant and all the mm-hmm. rest and i don't have a, yeah. a community and so 
Yeah, setting that, uh, setting those expectations up front. If if there are any event organizers out there, yep. uh, that's great. Or, or if you go to an event, that's how you know it's a, it, it's a good one in my in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, when you were developing your voice, you obviously mm-hmm. started to hit a nerve with people, and then you formed a community, and you realized, oh, these people are cool. They're supportive. They like what I have to say. But how was it just getting your writing out there? Because I know so many listeners would love to start to express themselves more formally, mm-hmm. more vocally. But how can they develop your voice? How did how did they do, how did you do it? Yeah. So here's my suggestion to anyone who wants to do exactly that, whether it's with writing or podcasting or making online videos or whatever the medium is. You know, you, you, you find people that you respect and you admire and you, you're like, I want to do something kind of like what they did. And of course, you want to find your own message, et cetera. But like you like just the general kind of flow of what they do and their, their intention. So what tends to happen is you look at these people when they're already fairly developed because that's how you discover them. Like those are the people that, you know, have more following or are more known or whatever. Chances are they probably spent a lot of time developing that. And that's certainly the case for me and pretty much anyone else that I know. And so it can be, you know, it can be encouraging to like see people like that, but it's also intimidating. So what I would encourage people to do is go back to the beginning of their work and like, don't, don't just see where they are, kind of see where they started. And when you do that, like almost invariably, you're going to see like this huge improvement, you know, over time, this huge improvement of quality, uh, much more focus. Um, you can probably see some mistakes that they made in different different ways, like different kind of paths they went down. They thought they were right, but then like they kind of pulled it back and did something different. So that's inv- that's really invaluable. I did that when I was starting. I kind of went back to like the archives of there was a blog called Get Rich Slowly that a friend of mine, J.D. Roth, started. Um, Gretchen Rubin, who's now a, a good friend and colleague of mine, she started this blog called The Happiness Project, which turned into this best-selling book. So I went back to like read their first entries, and first, you know, second, third, fourth from there. And I guarantee you, if you do that for, for my work, like you go back to the beginning and you'll see it kind of sucked. You know, it's kind of like, well, who is this right. guy? Like he's got, he's got some interesting ideas maybe, but like he doesn't really know what he's doing with it. And, you know, he's not that great of a writer. And that thing you mentioned called voice, like that's very important in writing. And I don't know that I really had, you know, a strong voice in the beginning. It kind of developed over time. So, you know, I think you just basically at a certain point, you're going to have to just start and start sharing and trust the process, you know, trust that, you know, it will get better over time. But if you just kind of keep you know, waiting, then, you know, nothing's ever going to happen. That's, that, that's really amazing. Yeah, you're never going to get to the developed voice if you never practice, if you never get it out there. Um, right. If you're not feeling, if people are not feeling supported in their mm. lives, mm. Uh, obviously you can find community, right. but, you know, you're trying to start your side hustle and your mom says, why are you wasting your time? Mm. Or you're trying to put something out there that you wrote and people are saying, well, come on, man, what do you think? You're a guru now. Uh, what would you tell those people? Yeah, I would tell them, you don't have to share this with everybody. When you're just starting out, you don't have to tell your mom about your website. You know, and I actually actually stole this lesson from a good friend of mine. Her name is Laura Sims. She talked about a pretty similar situation, actually, like, you know, her mom not necessarily understanding like her desire to pursue a you know, non-traditional career. So when she made this big change, and I'll just kind of sum up the story, like there's a whole lot of detail to it. But the, when she decided to make this big change, she actually like built her whole website and like went through this whole development process of like a few months. And, you know, then when the website was actually up, like then she was like, hey, mom, I'm doing this. 
So it wasn't like, hey, mom, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? You know, it was much more like, here is this thing that I'm, ha- that I'm doing. Like, there's already some interest in it. And so I guess what I'm saying is, like, if there are people that you think might be critical or might not support your work, you don't necessarily have to give up on those people in your life, like they're your friends or your family, but you might have to reserve some of that for yourself. And ultimately, you're doing your side hustle or your life project or whatever it is for yourself, like you're choosing to invest in yourself. So I also think even though it's very valuable to, to have community like we've been talking about, sometimes you have to kind of withdraw into yourself and say, like, I'm making this for me and I'm going to have ownership over it. And hopefully, you know, my friends or my family or whoever it is, it's critical, like or might be critical, like hopefully they will eventually come around. Um, which is exactly what happened with Laura's story. Like once she had the the product out there, it was like so much easier to support it rather than just like this dream of I'm going to do this thing. Um, but whether they do or they don't, like that's not really the relevant point. The relevant point is like this is my dream. It's in my heart. I have to put it out. I know I'm going to regret it if I don't. So that's what I'm going to focus on. That's that's really cool, Chris. Um, Chris, I want to be respectful of your time. I know that you are a busy guy and you have an amazing book coming out, Side Hustle, From Idea to Income in 27 Days, which people, of course, can go and see. I wanted to ask you a quick couple rapid-fire questions, and they're probably going to be so generic. and They're they're, they're the stumpers. They're the tough ones that every traveler is like, really, you're going to ask me what my favorite country is? Right, right. Chris, I'm going to ask you. Favorite country, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Damn, okay. Favorite country, first what comes to mind, uh, Australia. Oh, okay. Uh, what is your favorite food? Favorite food, some kind of Indian food. I could eat Indian food three, day, three meals a day. Ah, okay. Uh, book recommendation. Book recommendation, Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. It's all about uh, people skills and how to kind of master more of this personality stuff that we've been talking about. Awesome. And the very last one that I was going to ask you was your worst personal side hustle. My worst side hustle. Um, One time I had this idea to start like a golf membership site. This is like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And first of all, I hate golf, so probably not the best choice for me. (laughs) Second of all, I had the brilliant idea of charging people $1 for this membership site. And I remember sitting with the web designer like while he was making some of the initial design. And he turned to me and he was like, how are you going to make money on like $1 a person? And I forget what I said, but it was something like, just get back to designing the website. Like, let me worry about that. Right. You know, <laughs> right. But obviously a pretty good question. And uh, I never made money, you know, on a dollar a person. Uh, and I, I gave up on the golf website before too long. That's really funny. I hope you didn't turn to your, your good friend, Sean Ogle, and say, hey, man, I got a great idea for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, Sean loves golf. That's the thing. Yeah. He's passionate about it. He's skilled at it. So he's been able to be successful. And also, I think he charges more than a dollar a person. Right. I hope so. I hope <laughs> so. Well, uh, well, Chris, this has been awesome. Uh, you did very well at those rapid fire questions. Those are just, <laughs> you got to just answer up whatever comes into your head. So Yeah, that's uh, really hard. Like what my favorite food is. I've never thought about that. Yeah. When people ask me what my favorite country is, I'm like, I don't know in what context, yeah. but that's, right, exactly. uh, that's awesome. Again, uh, side hustle for my data income in 27 days. Is there anywhere where people can go and check you out online? Uh, yeah, thanks very much. So the daily podcast is called Side Hustle School. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can go to sidehustleschool.com. 
Uh, there's some resources there. And I'm also on a 100-city tour. The tour dates and sign-ups for that are on that same site, sidehustleschool.com. I would love to see some listeners somewhere. Chris, awesome. Well, thank you for your contribution to making the world a better place and having happier people exist on it. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Yo, Live Different Podcast listeners, you know what to do. You love the episode if you listened this far. Go to iTunes. Show us some love. Please, that's all we ask. A little five-star review. Just a little review. That's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what? Special offer. Send me an email personally. I will write back. Matt at under30experiences.com. I want to know your feedback, and then I want to meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat. Maybe our fitness retreat. Who knows? Check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.